Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Westby. And I'm Matt Waterworth. And uh, we are Full Swing Productions, and this is the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast uh, Secret Season 2.5, where we are uh, bringing you semi-irregular updates uh, from the film and video community uh, from in and around Alberta. And we have a, a great filmmaker joining us today, Levi Hallwell. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. You got that right. Perfect. How are you doing today, man? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, so, thanks for being on. Yeah, really appreciate that. Um, we're, we're mostly here to talk about uh, your short film, A Walk Down to Water, but we generally like to start with uh, you know a little bit of a backstory on, on you and you as a filmmaker and uh, where you came from and all that kind of stuff, what you enjoy doing. So why don't you kind of kick us off and tell us about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been uh, I've born and raised in Calgary. This has always been home for me. And uh, I guess as far as like filmmaking goes, it was something that I figured, you know, I was always messing around with a, a camera from a pretty young age, but I wasn't, it wasn't until I was about 16, 17, halfway through high school when things started to click and I saw some films that really kind of changed how I, I look at movies and who makes them and that sort of thing that I kind of switch went on in my head and I uh, thought, oh, maybe this is something I, well, actually it wasn't a maybe. I, I was pretty much convinced within you a knew, short amount yeah. of time yeah, that I really wanted to to do that with my life. And so I uh, just like kind of was always messing around with the camera and making videos with friends. And, and it's always kind of interesting where maybe when you start that way, when it bleeds from like making YouTube videos to calling yourself a, a, a filmmaker or saying you make short films now. Um, but, uh, you know, I originally looked at going to film school and, and going that route, but uh, it wasn't necessarily a calling to me explicitly. And uh, right out of high school, I got a, a job at the camera store uh, here in Calgary, which is just uh, a wonderful place. And through there, I made another short film that uh, called Metanoia and got more people involved with that. And and uh, yeah, just ended up never never going to uh, post-secondary of any kind, but I've uh, got a couple good friends that are frequent collaborators. Uh, my, my main one being my best friend, Gabe, who uh, I met in a high school film studies class, and we founded a, a production company called Left Side Pictures back in 2015. And both of us are just kind of plugging away and uh, continuing on down that path of trying to write uh, and direct short films and uh, work our way up to, you know, getting better and better at that and, and trying to turn that into our career. So, so a walk down to water. Uh, I remember, you know, you, you did quite well at the stinger awards, as I recall. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and, uh, and the film is, I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it, but, uh, I can see it very soon. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, it's, you know, it's available actually Friday, May 15th is our online premiere. So uh, we've secured a, a premiere uh, to be featured by filmshortage.com. So they curate a lot of short films and we're going to be featured as like a daily pick for them. Um, and so obviously with a lot of film festivals just not happening at the moment, uh, we're going to do a limited online release uh, through them. And then uh, after probably a week or two, it will uh, kind of go back to being private and uh, – and whatnot, but uh, yeah, it'll be a little limited online window for people to check it out, which we're really excited about. I uh, I had a little sneak peek of it um, earlier today, and uh, 
I, I it's so funny because I, I hadn't clicked that it was it, it had been something that I'd seen clips of at the Stinger Awards this last year. So I was watching. I was like, have I seen this already? Oh, Why right. have I seen this before? And then I was like, oh, I've seen like clips for the nomination kind of parts. Um, right. And it is just a, a stunning, a stunning short film. It looks just beautiful. And the visual story, like it's it's a story that's told visually, which is so um it just makes really great use of the medium of film and, and so bravo for that but uh, thank you thank you scott yeah yeah so I, I mean it shows obviously in the fact that you got into slam dance which is so huge like mm-hmm. like massive there were only i did some research there were only six narrative short films from canada period uh at slam dance yeah um, how did that happen how did that what was that experience like yeah, honestly, um, that was a huge surprise, and, and definitely, um, you know, you know, I'd say for me the biggest thing that happened with the film, and uh, you know, I was really excited when I found out, and then after having gone to Slam Dance and come back from that experience, I'm even like more proud to have been a part of that festival, but. Um, yeah, it was interesting. You know, like anytime you're finishing up a film, you're worried about what the reception's going to be like, and maybe you're so inside of it through the process of editing that you can really kind of be playing games in your own head of being like, oh, you know, it's it's not going to do good at all or it's great or it's bad. And, you know, you don't really know until you start sharing it with people. And so we actually premiered at the Calgary International Film Festival in September and um, we won Best Alberta Short Film there and we won uh, the same award at the Edmonton International Film Festival. And obviously that was really exciting. And after that, I you know, we were still keeping our eyes on festivals, but I didn't know if anything like a, a slam dance was gonna, you know, happen. Of course, it's, you know, impossible to tell. Um, and yeah, it was it was just a couple weeks after, you know, uh, playing at Calgary and Edmonton that I think the same week in November or something like that, I heard from from Slam Dance and Telefilm Canada. Um, so Slam Dance gave me a a really great call just the way they even let the filmmakers know that you've been accepted is really personable and and uh, and awesome so they they kind of rang me up and i still remember the programmer's name it was one of the people who basically decided on the shorts his name was randall and he said you know congrats you're accepted into slam dance and i was wow. just i was pretty shocked yeah absolutely and uh and and a few days uh within that call telefilm canada reached out and they were having a Canadian short film showcase of six short uh, six short films across the country to screen at uh, Clermont Ferrand, uh, France, um, right. and so and both of those were around the same time. So that was a week of like, yeah, really being excited that the film was getting out there and broadening its reach, uh, you know, even outside the country. But uh, yeah, I was I was very surprised when I heard from Slam Dance. To be honest, I yeah didn't think it was gonna happen. <laughs> But I mean, the big the big award is is the Stinger Awards, the two Stinger Awards you got, right? Like, it, there's nothing bigger than that. There's nothing bigger uh, than no, that. No, absolutely not. I, that's what I, we had peaked. That's right. That yeah. yeah, I think you're, for your career. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've decided to call it. Now. Yeah, I think you should. No, and on top. That, that was such a fun evening too, though. I mean, like that was I didn't get a a chance to attend the the year before and you know just to celebrate like with a bunch of people met a lot of people that night but to celebrate with a lot of people a lot of friends and just have a lot of fun um right. what like what a, it was such a great time yeah good good 
Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, like Scott said, do tell us about the film because it's a, it's got, a, it must have a very compelling story. Yeah. So the film is um, about this employee who works at a rural Alberta motel, and he finds that a guest who was staying at the motel passed away in one of the rooms uh, during their stay. So it's this window of time of this guy who's, you know, kind of just going through and what was a normal day until he finds uh, stumbles across someone who's died, uh, you know, in one of the rooms, like I said. And it's just kind of in that, you know, for me, the Im immediate hook was I thought for a short film, if it's going to be maybe around 15 minutes or something, it's a really interesting window of time to kind of be like, you know, discovering that. Uh, going through what maybe a reaction might look like, uh, especially if this person's a complete stranger. But, you know, then kind of waiting for an ambulance to get there. And until that ambulance arrives and, you know, kind of starts to, to deal with that situation, in a lot of ways, it's almost like he just returns back to work. You know, so there was just a lot of interesting questions there for me. And, um, you know, it, so that was kind of, uh, that kind of sums it up. And, there's also a sequence in the film that I shot in Denmark. That's a, a large part of the second yeah, half of the right. film. Um, and and that's when the the main character who's an immigrant working at this motel, his family, his wife and his child are still in a different part of the world. And so he calls to talk with his wife on the phone uh, while waiting for the ambulance to get there. So that's kind of a, a rundown of the plot. It's a great it's a great kind of story about dealing with death and and. Um, where did the idea come from? <laughs> Personal history? Yeah. Um, no, you know, it's, I guess like from a thematic point, some of the things like the film is definitely trying to deal with, you know, uh, certainly death is a really big part of it, but also like what's the proper response if there is one, you know, and in, in terms of right. how much empathy to give out. Cause I think certainly a lot of times in film, you're seeing death portrayed on screen in terms of like, oh, that was my immediate family member. or I lost a, a son or my father. Right. And I just, was like, oh, a lot of times that we brush up against it in our daily lives is, you know, an accident on the highway that holds up traffic and we drive by it. Or So definitely one of the events that was a, a pretty big inspiration was back in like the summer of 2016, quite some time ago, I was traveling to Penticton doing that drive uh, for work. And there was a, a fatal car accident in between Golden and Revelstoke. And so because of the accident, they had to hold up every car coming through gold in both directions and and kind of to deal with the scene. Yeah. And it ended up being, I think, like a two and a half, three hour wait. And so Golden just filled up with all these cars. People are walking around and everyone was so restless. And I overheard a lot of people, you know, obviously their days being held up. They're being forced to wait. And it's basically being seen as this major inconvenience. But it just felt also kind of strange to think that, you know, just up the road, obviously, um, you know, some someone had lost their life. And uh, I guess that that kind of dichotomy of these people being like, oh, you know, this is such an inconvenience with also the proximity to, you know, someone somewhere just lost someone really important to them. So that was yeah, kind exactly. of, I guess, an interesting thematic thing that I wanted to explore. And during that same trip, I was staying at a motel and I thought about, you know, what it might be like to work there. And I'm, I'm sure that for some people who work in that business, someone dying you know, on the property is something that happens from time to time. Um, so I, I figured that was an interesting scenario and, and that was kind of the initial inspiration. So, so tell us about a little bit about the, the production of it. Like, um, how, over how many days did you shoot it? What was your crew like? Tell us about that cast too. Cause they're all really great in it. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you so much. Um, so we uh, we filmed for four days. All of the motel stuff was filmed at the Siesta Motel in Olds, Alberta. So I, I started doing a lot of driving. I went down to Medicine Hat, Lethbridge, Three Hills, Nanton, like every, Drumheller, you know, all of the small towns. We've done those circuits looking for those big <laughs> motels, yeah. Exactly. And I, I, I was looking for something. I knew I wanted like a little bit of a, you know, a, a certain shape to the motel, like a geography. But um, we landed on the Siesta Motel, got to know uh, the owner there, John, and, um, you know, talking with my producers, Ingrid Vargas and Barad Mushtag, we kind of landed on with, with what our budget would give uh, four days of filming. So our, our main funding was from the Alberta Foundation for the Arts, uh, their film and video production grant. And so uh, we put the entirety of the budget into those four days in Alberta and when it came to the crew, uh, I'll start there. I was really wanting to work with a lot of my friends. You know, I do a lot of like work in commercial videography. So I know a lot of my close friends that I've worked with there aren't necessarily, you know, been in, in the film industry as a, as a union grip or crew member, let's say for decades, but they're really hands-on with working with me, uh, with, with creating content and, and telling stories. And so just try to, pick out some of my best friends and the cinematographer on the film was Jordan Drake, who, you know, I met at the camera store as their main video guy and uh, me and him are very close and we just always talk films together. And so our mutual taste and understanding of reference points for films was huge for working on this together. And, um, you know, Barad, who was a producer, was a first AD. Ingrid as a producer was a second AC, you know, so everyone was helping out and, uh, and yeah, it was, I think, and everyone stayed at the motel too, which was so nice. You know, we were film, we would film during the day. Once the sun started to get too low and the light changed too much, we had to call wrap at around, I think five and everyone was staying there. So we had all night, we did dinner in the parking lot as an entire team each night, just sitting around eating and having a beer. And that was a great time. So like, I think everyone had a lot of fun on it. And, um, and then from the casting point of view, I think obviously the main challenge originally was definitely just the lead, uh, which is the the worker at the motel. And he is an immigrant in the film. And there's a large portion where he has to speak, uh, you know, his first language, which is not English. And I just kind of I just kind of felt intuitively that I I didn't necessarily want to reach out to the traditional casting pools or I didn't feel like I was going to find the person I really wanted for it from a theater background or an acting background. So I actually got a recommendation from a filmmaker out of Edmonton, Hans Olsen, and he's like, you know, reach out to immigration offices and centers and maybe find someone who's, you know, maybe a non-actor, but is the right person. And I was really open to taking on that challenge of if it was the right person, I wasn't worried about them not having acting experience. So I sent out an email to a, a place called the Center for Newcomers, and they help with, uh, you know, basically people new to Canada immigrating here, uh, refugees new to Canada, and, uh, and and basically helping them, you know, adjust to the community and, and get their life going in, in this uh, in Canada. And uh, I got an email back from someone who worked there, and his name is Boban Stojanovic. And he uh, is a Serbian refugee who came to Canada in late 2016. He saw the email and he was just interested. And he shot back uh, an email saying, hey, yeah, I would love to meet. And um, at that time, I was like, oh, what the heck? You know, I'll, I'll meet with anybody. And, um, you know, like 10 minutes into us meeting for coffee as complete strangers, I just there was a really special energy about it. And 
I met up with him a couple times, do. but after that, yeah, yeah, exactly. After that first coffee, I remember excitedly calling Ingrid and Barad and being like, hey, I think I found someone really special. And he ended up being like, I think everyone who worked on the film and knows him and a lot of people who have seen the film would say like, he's that special thing in the film that really makes it work. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised to hear that he's a non-actor, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching me like, was this shot in Alberta? Who is this guy? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, kudos to that for sure. And there's, there is something about casting, even if they're not actors, you just kind of know sometimes when, when the person walks into the room, it's just like the energy they give off and you know, the way they, yeah carry themselves and all that kind of stuff um, yeah i think the big thing was just our conversations like the film deals with you know some heavier subjects and immediately he was so honest about one having so much to say about the, the thematic elements of the film and we were just having these really intense conversations and he was very personal about his own experiences in life and uh and and everything he said as like a writer, I, you know, I wanted like not just him as an actor, but I wanted his, his energy and his opinion on the thing. And I knew he was going to kind of get the way that we were going to try to tell the story. I knew that he was on board with it. Like he was going to see it and add so much to it. So yeah, it just, it, it made so much sense, you know, so early on. So let's chat. I, you brought up Jordan, who I've been sort of a big fan of, I know, I don't think he's at the camera store anymore, but, uh, you know, knew of him there. And of course, uh, the YouTube channel he runs is yeah. huge and very popular. And, and so let's talk, uh, sort of camera and lenses. What, what was the, what was the approach there? I mean, with Jordan, um, uh, again, he had uh, a short film I made a few years ago. He, he was the cinematographer on for Metanoia, but what was so interesting about this one was, was Metanoia, uh, a few years back was really stylistic and like bold and lots of color. And, and it was really like kind of, it was a more abstract film. And so we got to have a lot of fun with the cinematography and this one we still had fun with, but it was really restrained and not really flashy. Um, you know, I, like the big challenge I threw out to him right away is I knew I wanted to film all of the motel stuff and I knew I didn't want it to be like glossy and beautiful in like a traditional movie sense. I wanted like harsh high noon light. And so we talked a lot about like making that try to work so that it feels intentional, you know, full of intention instead of just being ugly. Um, because everything at the motel is kind of meant to feel, you know, like indifferent and it's not supposed to be some beautiful location. It's supposed to kind of feel like a rural motel, um, in the middle of the day and there's nothing necessarily spectacular about it. So we, Definitely kind of took on the challenge of, of trying to keep that in mind when approaching how to shoot that space um, and, uh, and, and those kind of conditions. And then the other big decision that we made was we were going to be really restrained also with our, our like uh, basically about really not moving the camera much. Um, we wanted the film to have a quality of stillness. So we, we went back to almost always just having the film locked off shooting 35 or 50 milliliter, uh, 50 millimeter focal lengths. So we shot on a, a red weapon and got a lot of support gear wise from Noah Fallis at Glean Productions here in town. Uh, he was uh, an executive producer on the film cause he helped out so, so much with, with, uh, from a gear standpoint and supporting us there. But uh, yeah, we, we shot on Sony Cine Alta lenses that are very clinical, but don't necessarily have much characteristics of them. But they kind of gave us that very clinical, 
plain look that we wanted for the motel and uh shooting at that high noon light and the red was the best camera we had available was able to kind of give us a, a lot of options in terms of dealing with some some pretty harsh contrast um so we kind of went for a really clinical look there that jordan and i talked about a lot and it wasn't just something that we kind of wanted to go for for the look of the motel in a vacuum and on its own but it's so important to establish what that world looked like when we cut to the footage that was shot in Denmark, because that was when we started to kind of get more like uh, romantic with our images. And we shot in like re uh, really beautiful light and um, and twilight hours and 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 whatnot. So, yeah, I guess I could say everything at the motel was was shot on the red with with those Sony lenses. And then in Denmark, I actually went over there by myself and I was basically going like running gun. I couldn't bring something like a red or a big camera. So I brought a Panasonic GH5S and I've got uh, a bunch of old Nikkor lenses that are kind of really optically flawed, but full of a very different look. And um, I shot that footage over the course of about two and a half weeks. I got a rental car and I just drove around the entire country like all day, every day. And I would just march into the woods and hit record on some, <laughs> on some branches, on some yeah. leaves blowing in the wind. Or, uh, you know, I'd walk down to the ocean and just be filming water textures and, uh, coastal, you know, stuff. And so, uh, that was kind of like, you know, a very, very different approach in terms of the camera and lens change. And then to take it one step further, a lot of the Denmark stuff, I was intentionally trying to distort the optics a bit. So I put a piece of glass in front of the lens and then I, like, I wanted the feel of like raindrops on the lens and I wanted it to kind of feel that way. And I was actually rubbing glycerin on the outside of the piece of glass in front of the lens oh, cool. to, to smudge the there's some shots in the film of a forest where the edges are very kind of smudged yeah, and, yeah, I noticed that, and yeah. distorted. And that was just by using glycerin to kind of almost vignette it and yeah, kind of give it almost like a half dream like feel, which was the, the, you know, what I kind of wanted for that. Yeah, it feels very much like a memory kind of thing. That's like exactly. He's in, yeah. Like he's envisioning exactly what his life was like, even if that's not specifically what's happening on that phone call. Exactly. Yeah. So something <clears throat> That feels a bit more personal. Yeah, um, the, the the visual approach is something that I'm really interested in um, because it is such a visually told story. You know, the dialogue is is for a lot of it kind of secondary to to what's actually happening in yeah. front of you. Yeah. Um, and so I love that the approach to stillness and that kind of harsh light. Um, tell me about the kind of development of that style. Was that just kind of something that was always obvious to you, or how did that kind of come about? Mm. That's a great question. Um, I think it was it was it was kind of the intuitive direction I wanted to go just from looking at a lot of films that influenced it and directors that I were kind of watching and going, OK, what they're doing here is something I'd love to try to replicate or, or try to reference in some some way. Um, and I just felt like with this type of story, it, it was something that was never made sense to actually try to explain it through verbal language, through someone speaking about what's really going on. And so every time I fought that a little bit when I was writing it, sometimes I'd be like, oh, like, I, I want to really make sure that that it's clear what I'm trying to get at. And so I would try to write in a bit of dialogue that was maybe a bit more on the nose of like, you know, 
trying to really kind of say, hey, this is what this is about. And every time I did, it felt, you know, like I was trying to force it and it felt unnatural. Right. And because the film, too, is, is you know, there's everyone at the motel is strangers within each other. So there's not that close relationship where someone would even have that level of honesty in a conversation. There's this kind of distance between these people that they can't quite close because of the way we all conduct ourselves in our lives where, you know, there's certain conversations you're just not going to have with a stranger in, in a lot of circumstances when you're at work or something. So it's all these things under the surface that maybe they're feeling, but they can't even really talk about. Um, and so, yeah, it just became more and more, okay, we have to try to really establish an atmosphere and a cinematic language to try to hopefully tell this story and, and for people to, for it to come to them that way. And I think that when you strip out dialogue a little bit, I, I do think that that leaves a little bit more breathing room for an audience member to bring themselves to the film. You know, there's just more of a gray area in terms of how to interpret an image or how you might be affected by the soundscape of a film. And so I think that's also an important thing that hopefully the film does, you know, for some people is that there is room to kind of interpret it and to ask those questions because it's not coming down hard, making any statements. And I feel like dialogue sometimes can kind of be more of a, you know, okay, this is exactly what this person is, is thinking and they're saying what they're going to do and what they're feeling. And, you know, in this case, almost all of the dialogue never really even addresses, um, you know, what the film's really about. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of just, just great for something for, for directors to remember is that what your characters are saying and how you're telling your story visually are two very different things. And the choices that you make as a director, as far as, you know, keeping the camera still and using the lenses that provide a, you know, a clinical look, like there's so many choices that you can make in the, the entire medium, the visual storytelling oh, yeah. Yeah. craft choices, right. That as a director kind of rely on you. Um, yeah. and you know, just how do these things serve the story that you're telling and set yeah. the mood that you need to, to create, to tell the story properly. And so, yeah, that's what, it, that's, that's, uh, I think you did a great job and I think you should be really proud of, of how it came together. I, I, and I don't think you should be as surprised as maybe you are that you got into slam dance. Cause I think you made a lot of great choices and oh, intentional ones too. Um, so yeah, for even just for directors, I think it's worth checking out this film just for that. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. It's, it's like, I felt confident making those decisions, but you're still insecure. I remember on course, set yeah. sometimes <laughs> just being like, is this really going to work? And like the funny story, I, I was like, it's true. I, a few days after we wrapped, I remember I went and saw mission impossible fallout in a theater and like, not that it, of course, like the movies aren't comparable at all. So it's silly, but still in the back of my mind, watching that sort of film, I was like, what did I just make? I was like, Oh my God, like I didn't move the camera at all. Like right. uh, yeah, yeah. this is going to be so boring. Like, <laughs> like I was still really insecure. And there was a few times on set where, you know, everyone's, throwing out ideas and a couple of times where people are like, you know, I think the shot would be uh, uh, more dynamic if we maybe do a push in. And I was like, yeah, like in a vacuum it, it would, but like, I don't want to add tension with a push in right. by saying, Ooh, what's in this room? You know, like when yeah. you just, same thing with music, you know, we tried to use music sparingly because music is an incredible tool, but it, it can often be like, Hey, you know, this is what the, it can really push tone obviously and, and be kind of a, put a bias on the audience to receive a scene a certain way. And we wanted to kind of strip that out. And it's just good, you know, to have 
even if you're not necessarily as confident as you would want to be on set to be able to answer those suggestions with, you know, a logical reason why you may or may not want to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like that's not easy to do all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. So we're just about out of time, but I, I did want to ask if you're willing to share some of those, those budget details and, and maybe some of your financing, you mentioned the Alberta foundation for the arts, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, are you, are you able to share sort of what your budget level is? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So we had a $15,000 budget from the Alberta Foundation for the Arts. And then, like I said, that all went towards the four days in olds and just, uh, you know, covering all of the costs there, cast, crew, and every other thing. But then, of course, like, we were trying to make the film as big as we can. So in the areas we could, we tried to get as much help from the community. So, And we certainly got that. And that's where, like, Glean Productions and Noah Fallis, they, all the gear and the camera rentals through them, they... You know, we gave them what we could out of our budget, but what what we received in terms of compensation was way over, you know, what we actually, um, you know, should have gotten with that, uh, with what we were able to pay them. So that was like a huge contribution from Noah for the film to say, hey, you know, go make your film. So that was uh, where we saved some money and tried to make that $15,000 feel a bit bigger. Uh, but I think the biggest difference was going to Denmark to shoot all that footage that was all, you know, I was, I was trying to make that work actually off of a family trip. So that my pain, my plane ticket over there, I paid for. And, you know, I, that gear that I used there, the camera store stepped up and supported me there. Um, and so all of that was filmed basically without going into the budget at all. So shooting that really ambitious part of the script and getting those images, uh, we made work by just making sure that I got there and then I just covered the cost of a rental car and stuff. But it was huge because I have distant relatives in Denmark and I was staying at their house. And there is one actor, uh, an actress who's in the film in Denmark. And that was like my distant relatives, family's friends, mom, who, you know, agreed to be in it for free and, and go walk around on a beach with a stranger basically one night. And her only compensation was the coat that I bought her from H&M. So... <laughs> <laughs> we 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 tried to use that fifteen thousand dollars from AFA for everything that obviously we had to cover in the costs, and then after that, it was you know calling in a lot of favors and just putting in the the time to try to make the budget feel a little bit bigger. Hopefully, cool. does that kind of? Oh yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah. That's you know those are the usual uh, sort of uh, indie filmmaker things you have to do to make uh, to make you stretch you know stretch a dollar. Yeah. Um, so that's fantastic. I, I guess I'm going to have to watch the film to understand sort of the the Holland connection. Um, and you know, I encourage the entire uh, listening, uh, you know, the audience here to to do the same. Um, and that's at uh, where where can people find it? Yeah. So uh, as of Friday, May fifteenth, it will be premiering through FilmShortage.com. Film um, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be featured as a daily pick on their website and available through there. And then, of course, uh, I'll be trying to, to share the link through social media and, and get it out that way as well. Awesome. So where can people find more about you uh, and, and see those posts? Yeah, um, uh, of course, like everybody else, uh, rely a lot on Instagram for that. So um, my Instagram myself is just simply Levi Hallwell, uh, my name. Uh, but uh, our production company uh, that Gabe and I run is uh, Left Side Pictures, simply at Left Side Pictures. And that's where we try to, 
put out as much information about what we're up to and, and the projects that we're working on. So that would be uh, probably the best place to check out. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see it. Thank you for being on. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much, everybody. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Of course. Talk soon. Okay. Take, Take care. care.